comedy is a defense against sort of misery of the planet, you know, and uh, and interpersonal problems and 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 dreadful stuff that's all kind of going on around you. And um, and she's like, so there's not really a coincidence that you started writing comedy this year, you know, <laughs> the most depressing year of your entire life. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Bumped into an old friend recently, and uh, we were having a conversation, and uh, she said that she hates dogs, and I have considered never speaking to her again. How can you hate dogs? How is that different than being racist? You hate an entire species of a living, breathing animal. That just brings joy into people's lives. Sorry to get all Seinfeld on you. How can you hate dogs, though? Are you sociopath? Does your heart not beat? Are you a piece of shit? Are you a bad person? If you don't like dogs, if you're comfortable making a blanket statement like you don't like dogs, Fuck you. Dude. Fuck you. Oh, you hate Beethoven, the movie about the lovely St. Bernard protecting a family from Charles Grodin? Fuck you. You hate Lassie, the most beloved collie that ever lived? Saved a young blonde boy from wells and shit? Since the 60s? Fuck you. You're a horrible person. I don't understand how people can make statements like that. Like it's reasonable and like it's not hateful. I unfriended her. On all social media platforms. My guest today is my longtime friend, Trevor Risk. Trevor is moving up the ranks as a comedy writer, which is cool because he has been a musician as long as I've known him. He worked at the label that I'm signed to, and he is now a major writer at Letterkenny, and he's a writer at Vice. He's a writer at Ion Magazine. He's the one who got me the interview with Insane Clown Posse, so kind of own my life. And he's just, he's funny. He's like, every time we talk, I love it because there's so much trivia going back and forth. And it's ridiculous. And I just decided I needed to capture that. We had a hangout last week. He and I went to the JFL Gala, the Just for Last Gala. And I wish I recorded it because all we did was cite weird old uh, Joe Montana trivia. And I don't even like football, but I just know so much about it for some reason. I don't know why I retain stuff like that. Trevor is similar to that. He's he's very much like that. And our hangouts uh, just involve a lot of nonsense and trivia and weird sort of music uh, knowledge that no one else would care about. That's what I think this podcast is. Kind of the, the... It's kind of like... I like to talk about weird trivia, you know, that people don't know that they might find interesting but do. And they're not going to look it up themselves and that's all I do, so... I think that's uh, I think that's the point. I think that's the point of this podcast. But anyway, Trevor Risk, very funny, very opinionated. Love the guy. Check it out. I gotta go cause I got me a drop top and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light looking in my mirror, not a jacket. The thing about like when people say that old trope of like, 
oh, kids are cruel. Kids can be so cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, the implication is that they're not including themselves in that. Yeah, that's true. And, like, if you, th- like, we were all awful. I know. We were all, like, the things, like, you were like, oh, kids were really cruel to me growing up. You remember that, but you don't remember the time you tortured the neighbor kid. <laughs> You know, and then you said like, "Are oh, you gonna cry? You yeah, cry yeah. about it." Like, we, you were bad too. Yeah, you were yeah. also a child who was bad. It's true, and it was really fun. It was just you do things just to see how people would react. Really cruel things. Like I remember locking my neighbor in a in a treasure chest and sitting on it. Yeah, probably giving him PTSD to this day. Sure, sure. Yeah, my brother um, tied me up in a bunch of blankets, put me out with the garbage while the garbage <laughs> truck was coming. <laughs> oh my. Fucking love that guy. I mean, he kind of deserves a merit badge for that because that took some skill. <laughs> it did. Definitely. I mean, how did he tie you up? Wins or not? Um, it was just like wrapped in enough blankets that like I couldn't move. I was just burritoed in blankets and put out with the garbage while the trash man was showing up. It sounded like something. It doesn't sound like you were his first victim. Like he sounded like he had skill in that department. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, I feel like maybe he had like uh, like a cadaver that he practiced on, <laughs> like early surgeons. Someone you know, he'd murdered earlier. Yeah, just like, well, how heavy is this pig? It probably weighs about as much as Trevor does. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, wrapping a person up in blankets and leaving them with garbage to be picked up by the garbage truck is kind of like a modern day damsel in distress on a train tracks. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he had like a snidely whiplash mustache <laughs> and that kind of thing. I suppose. <laughs> He was a mature 13-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say, pretty impressive for a 13-year-old. <laughs> I don't know. We were just talking about early 90 jams. Oh, yeah. This is... Uh, this, this is this is Janet Jackson. Is that Dave Navarro? Dave he, Navarro, it's a little-known fact about him, if you like trivia. Mm-hmm. The thing about Dave Navarro is that he was legally obligated to be in every music video <laughs> in a six-year corridor uh, in, yeah. um, on Much Music and MTV. He's kind of like so. the original Travis Barker that way. He, uh, that's not something you want to put on a card. <laughs> like, hi, I'm the original Travis Barker. But like, Travis Barker doesn't want to be the original Travis Barker. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. the, and I think they're even a vi- in a video together for that Diddy, that Puff Daddy song. Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Remember when there was like Ben Stiller was in that video? They just have like weird cameos and rap videos in the mid 90s. God, I wish I had that on my CV. <laughs> Just like was in a Cameron video, you know. I own two pairs of Timberlands. I think I should be getting that call any day now. I really like that you have two pairs of Timberlands. What color? Orange and uh, yeah, I've got the original ones and I've got the black ones. You know, if you go on their website, you can um, for the same price as any Timberlands, you mm-hmm. can get them customized down to everything. Like you can make really? all white ones and then just the eyelets on the, for the for the strings like uh, gold and just like I got Rolls Royce out of my feet you know wow yeah they'll get really disgusting really quickly but you know you yeah. can you can totally do that there's so. there's this Neil Brennan joke about how women uh, wear outfits but they're only considering the first 30 seconds of leaving the house mm-hmm. you know and then they're cold the rest of the night that's kind of like that you know, I, it's just uh, fashion v. function, you know? It's like there's this cruel irony. So someone was asking me yesterday, like, do I, be- like, big universal questions over too many drinks about, like, do I believe in uh, an afterlife? And if so, what do I believe? And I said, you know, if you think about it broadly enough, um, there are some cruel, cruel backwards injustices in this world. <laughs> okay. Like, everything that looks the best feels terrible on you. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, everything that's, uh, that's bad for you tastes great. Yeah. Like, I feel like... If there is an afterlife, not to get all Pete Holmes podcast on nice. you, nice, but not um, to make it weird. Yeah, uh, he. Uh, I. I'd say that. I. Wish I would be allowed to have a pint of Bailey's, a plate of poutine, 
and wash it down with a few pills of ecstasy every day. And the more I did that, the prettier I got. You know? Yeah. And the more they're like, you're doing, you're, we needed you to eat that poutine. We had a poutine surplus here in yeah. heaven, and you did us a favor, so you get a raise. <laughs> By the way, you don't have to work at all, so yeah. you're getting a raise for nothing. Here's a railroad. So that's your heaven, huh? I think Sounds so. Sounds like Montreal. Yeah, I think it's uh, it is smoker's paradise. I do enjoy a smoke and a plate of poutine. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, but uh, yeah, but then you get kidney stones, and I that know. sucks. Man, Travis Barker, I have not <laughs> thought of for a while. I like because of that dumb thing he did with DJ AM, rest in peace. Where he would drum over top of his DJing. Okay. There was like I've been a DJ fifteen years now. There was a there was a period there where everyone just wanted to do it, and they didn't think it would take any rehearsing. And everyone wanted to DJ. Everyone wanted to drum along to a DJ. Everyone wanted to drum along with me DJing. <laughs> oh, I see. I and see. it was like everything from like people I sort of ostensibly knew being like, "We should do this. It's pretty cool." And I'd be like, "No, you should just be a DJ. <laughs> um, like it's it's easy. It's fine. It's a lot easier than playing the drums. I tell you that much. But like." Drummers were kind of getting sick of people not going to see live music anymore, and they're like, yeah, "Ah, yeah. this guy's got a crowd of 500 people twice weekly. Um, yeah, I let's mean, get involved." Or some bands I'd put on an early show on my the things I was doing, and then afterwards they just start cold rocking the kit while I was trying to play music, and okay. they're like, "This is cool, right? This is what that guy with the tattoos does." <laughs> Uh, it was never cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you just came back to Travis Barker. I actually saw him do a set with Mixmaster Mike where they were doing that. Mm-hmm. It seemed really rehearsed, though. I thought it was kind of kind of cool. It was rehearsed. Yeah, it was like it was rehearsed. So, but like that's the thing, you have to rehearse it. Yeah. And I'm telling you one thing, I'm not getting in a rehearsal space to DJ. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put back three cocktails and I'm going to wing it and then maybe like last night play Enya. Ooh, I, what I pissed Enya off. Song. I pissed. Well, Ornico Flow, obviously. Okay, sorry I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get it together. Know, yeah, your, know your discography. I'm sorry. It was like, I it, it pissed off enough of the crowd, mm-hmm. but it le- made like, uh, like a tenth of the crowd yeah. like stay longer. I was outside uh. and people were shaking my hand. They were like, Enya, man. I remember hearing that in Club Med in 95 for like the first time. Like... Yeah, it's kind of the unofficial club med anthem. Yeah, hey? <laughs> that's really cool. It's like it's like you you earned the those compliments. It's like mm. when I toured with Marilyn Manson, he was mean to everyone except us. I was like, ah, this is even better. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you fired that guitar player on stage and your whole lighting crew, but you gave us absinthe. So thank you. <laughs> of course, he drinks absinthe. It's like either absinthe or Campari. You know, <laughs> it's made of beetle shells. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be great. I like that. We were just talking about how. It's weird when you're at a sporting event, and they'll sort of accidentally embrace goth culture, mm-hmm. like how the Canucks would walk, like, would skate out to Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson doesn't know anything about hockey, <laughs> and he shouldn't. And if he does, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know. I can see him being like a Blackhawks fan or something. Because yeah, <laughs> like, Al Jorgensen? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Al Jorgensen gets uh, season tickets right behind the visiting team's penalty box so he can talk shit to them. Really? Yeah. At the Madhouse in Chicago? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Fucking awesome. And he's friends with like a bunch of the players. I like that that guy's super into sports because he doesn't look like he should be. I love when people like like are into sports. Like, uh, like John Stewart, Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. Woody Allen, you know. Uh, Billy Vin- Corgan. Vince Gill. <laughs> really? Vince Gill has had season tickets to the Predators <laughs> since they started. I've, I've been at Bridgestone in Nashville and seen wow. him perform at intermission. And I was freaking out. And they're like, wow. What do you guys? What do y'all do in Canada? Intermission. I'm like, I, we 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 talk about hockey. I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. uh, 
And uh, when they had Hal Gill on the team, he would skate by and he'd scream out like, "Hey, cousin!" to him all the time. And Whoa! Now Hal Gill's daughter performs at every game and stuff. And really? Big, big. The original Predators fan. Hal, I gotta uh, Vince say, Gill. the Nashville Predators team uniform looks like an outfit someone would wear in rollerball oh, when they're yeah. fighting to the death. It's, it's, it's like silver and yellow, and it's better than it used to be. <laughs> That's really? What's sad. Yeah. Um, they've got like uh, guitar picks on the sleeves. <laughs> they do now. No, they always have. Whoa. Um, and the number. Have guitar strings over top of them, but it is the best place in the world to see any sporting event. And I'll stand by that. Like they throw catfish on the ice. Um, like uh, last year in the playoff run, the uh, offensive line for the local football team were showing up, and yeah. one of them held up a giant catfish and just poured a tall can of beer down its throat. <laughs> um, That's crazy. They show like uh, like um, it's the loudest place I've ever been to. Um, and uh, the guy who runs like all the uh, the effects stuff, mm-hmm. that guy keeps it powder dry, man. Like really. He, uh, I remember once they had um, a uh, they went to go to Toronto to see if they scored the goal. It was under review, and they okay. played this Beavis and Butthead clip where Butthead goes, "Did I just score?" <laughs> Which is great. One time they were like, uh, they were like, uh, they they just slapped this Minnesota Wild jersey on some kid who probably worked at like the it, like in the kitchen at one of the places there. Yeah. And he was like. Uh, they were, they were like, oh, this Minnesota Wild fan, boo. He's like, he's going to arm wrestle the mascot. And then everyone's cheering for the mascot. like, wait a second. The mascot has a hurt shoulder. So this kid's going to arm wrestle WWE wrestler the Pope. The Pope steps up, smashes this kid, wow. rips his shirt off, and spends the rest of the game walking around bare-chested. Whoa, that's cool. What is your favorite movie music video crossover? I brought up... This video, mm-hmm. Bobby Brown on uh, our own from the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. Yep. yep. I. Oh, God. Okay, so this is a big thing for me. Okay. Because um, I miss when they used to like make a music video and cut in scenes from the movie they were making. Yeah. Um, and then because they would often dress up the band like they're in the movie. <laughs> like in um, from the, the Batman Forever soundtrack when mm-hmm. the Smashing Pumpkins did. Um, the end is the beginning is the end. It's the Batman and Robin. Song. Batman and Robin. Yeah, Thank yeah. you very much. Um, man, Corgan is dressed up like shitty Batman. <laughs> really? Yeah. But then to go I further, see this. sometimes they would put the people from the movie in the music video, like yeah. in a teenage dirtbag, right? Oh like yeah. Like Nina Savari acted in the video. Um, I think my my favorite. I got two right now. Okay. I like "Who Is Johnny" by El Debarge <laughs> okay. from the Short Circuit Two soundtrack. I, I was gonna bring that one up because uh, it's basically just like uh, El Debarge is like on trial, and oh. uh, they put no someone's on trial. And they they take like a VHS that just says Short Circuit Two in marker on it, <laughs> and that's Exhibit A. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite one because I actually like I love 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 the song. It's got to be Back to School from Back to School by Jude Cole. Okay. The uh, Rodney Dangerfield comedy. Right, where right. He's some sort of weird diving instructor. Um, yeah. He uh, That song is just uh, Jude Cole in the studio <laughs> and on the monitors are showing clips from the movie. Yep. And uh, he's dressed not unlike I am right now, just cosplay in the 80s, except it was the 80s, so yep. he was just being Jude Cole. Yeah. And then this like foxy lady producer is like watching him from the, like, the control booth and like pushing faders up oh, and being yeah. like... I think I like this guy. Uh, I think he's got what it takes to be an 80s pop star. I love a good <laughs> faux studio performance, like Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy, where Rick James is producing, Yeah, and he's like, Eddie, put your headphones on. How would he hear him say that if he's not wearing headphones? And then Rick James, he can't, he can't handle it anymore. 
The spirit has taken over him, so he slaps on a bass, runs in there, jams Daddy Murphy. No bass in the song. <laughs> that song slaps, man. I love uh, yeah. that song. <laughs> I love it, too. I have it on vinyl. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I, I have the single. Is it's, it? you have the 12-inch? Has it got like the nine-minute version on it? Because it's... It's 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 lengthy. And it depends on how long you want your party to go. <laughs> um, there's a new two short song, uh-huh. and it's called uh, "You Want a Party." Yep. And it's it was made just for Silicon Valley, <laughs> and it's excellent. Too short has a song about like Hanukkah or something. Really? Yeah. Or uh, uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of filthy, but like with a nice message. I, that's how this one is too. Uh, yeah. yeah. I uh, I love Too Short. He's I love great. him too. He has the best uh, Hollywood swinging sample in Money in the Ghetto. Everyone sampled that song, Mace or whatever. Yeah. Money in the Ghetto is great. <laughs> love it. It's about money in the ghetto. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's real. It's a real depth of character kind of song for him. You know the Too Short um, when he first started making songs, he would dub a cassette one time mm-hmm. and then sell it, and then someone else would be like, "Hey, Too Short, I want to copy of that," and he'd be like, "Oh, okay," and he'd have to run home and re-record the whole album again and then sell that and be like oh shit i gotta learn how to dub (laughs) so he kept doing that and then and then drug dealers in his neighborhood started paying him to make songs about them so he was doing like a like a lot of like one-off songs and then it was weird because he got i think he got signed to uh, jive yeah but he was he was like pretty much unknown but he was outselling everyone on jive with no promotion or radio or video and then he got asked to go on the first NWA tour, and and then he and Ice Cube got along. So when Ice Cube did his first solo tour, which I think was for Death Certificate, he let Too Short come on and bring his own opener. You know who he brought? Kid Rock. <laughs> Man, I say this for everyone. All my friends are tired of hearing me talk about this. Yeah. Uh, I love Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a few reasons. One. Josie. Uh, <laughs> one. He, like, when the CD sales fell out of the music industry, mm-hmm. everyone jacked up ticket prices, mm-hmm. especially for legacy acts, by, like, six times. Okay. And he didn't. Yeah. Like, all the beers are still five bucks at his shows. You that's know, cool. And his tickets are very affordable, and uh, I think that's uh, kind of admirable, like, uh, how much money do you need kind of thing. Also, that guy is an old-school five points of hip-hop dude. Yeah. He's one of the best DJs I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah. You can just look at videos of him online, like uh, like scratching uh, and beat juggling his own shit while drinking a bottle of Jim Beam and smoking a cigar. That's so crazy. Like it's weird that he's so talented because he just seems like I remember thinking he was just kind of like a Limp Bizkit spinoff. Yeah. And then it turns out he's like a great guitar player and actually a pretty good songwriter. I mean, that song he did with Cheryl Crow was really good. Also, he's responsible for Uncle Cracker, man. So like, uh, I gotta give him death for that. <laughs> I, I talked over it, but he just said, put your headphones on, Eddie. <laughs> I like that Eddie's singing into a 421 microphone that is actually meant to mic toms. Oh, well, I mean, oh, God. I love the acting by Rick James on this. Yeah. He just, he's got to get that, that, that hot delivery, that hot performance. I unironically love Rick James, and that keyboard player looks like Rick James also. Yeah, the keyboard, yeah, maybe that was his thing. You know, okay. I, I like the, the Mary Jane girls. You brought us them. Like they, their yeah. career, there was his backup singers. Very good. I like Rick James a lot. He's a great bass player. And Street yep. Psalms is such a good album. Past the J. Oh man, weirdest lyrics. He's just an eccentric dude. And also, he was in a band with Neil Young. Yeah, they were roommates. The Minor Birds. Yeah. yeah, they were roommates in I guess Toronto or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Rick James was was dodging the draft. <laughs> what a what a champion. Yeah. I love that he dodged the draft and became friends with Neil Young. I feel like Neil Young probably loves 
draft Dodgers. That I think you're like probably right. Yeah. I also, if I were to make a death pool, Neil Young would be my choice for the next celebrity. Yeah, he'd be my choice if only for that damn Toblerone thing he invented a few years ago. What's that? He tried to revolutionize like <laughs> listening to music, and so he made this like iPod that was like shaped like a Toblerone, <laughs> and he got every one of his friends to like. Uh, like sigh, roll their eyes, and endorse him. Like Tom Petty being like, "Yeah, this is the future of music." Wow! And like he wanted everyone to um, buy him in like flak format or something. Like all the music you could only get from his website. Yeah. And they cost a lot of money. And he's like, "No, but you guys want to listen to like really good music." What he didn't understand was that like in the seventies, mm-hmm. and here's baby boomers are always like this. Sixties and seventies are just like right now we're in the fifty year anniversary of everything that happened then. Right. So they never shut up about it. Yeah. And so. Back then, you wanted to get closer to musicians, right. and um, because musicians were the biggest celebrities in the world. Yeah. Now they fall somewhere between celebrity pawn shop owner <laughs> and like uh, like way below Kardashian. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, yeah. And they're really ranked pretty low. Um, and so back then, you used to try to get close to them because, and the way to do it was to have the nicest hi fi. Okay. You know, the nicest stereo equipment because it would sound like you were in the room with them. Now you just tweet at them. Yeah, that's you know, true. You don't need a $20 music file um, that only works on this one thing that you don't want to carry in your pocket. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it totally and it totally and completely uh, failed. And um, I think that, uh, I mean, I don't wish, you know, misery on anybody, but. Don't don't uh, just don't surround yourself with yes men and sycophants and tell you that oh, you're man. a genius because these things happen. It's true, and I also want to, for the record, I don't want Neil Young to die. I'm just saying he's probably going to. This is a nice disclaimer. <laughs> I think I had a uh, uh, my death pool this year. I, uh, I had uh, uh, iced tea. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. He's pretty. He's pretty alive and well. He's probably the happiest rapper of all time. Happiest? He's living his life, man. He's happily married, so in love with his wife, and he's an active gamer. Is that Coco? Is that his wife? Coco. Coco. I don't know. I like that he named his son Ice-T. He's like, my mom didn't do it right. I'll do it right for you, Ice-T. My name's Tracy. That's not very gangster. I love that he was a jewel thief also, for real. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I have a friend who has the same speaking voice as Ice-T. Really? Yeah, and and I, I remind him every year for the last, you know... 13 years and he doesn't love being reminded of that look at this guy see this is the second time on the show that i've talked about something with my guest and then just pulled it up i just handed trevor ice t's biography which i had right behind me see when i had ivan decron he mentioned primus videoplasty which just happens to be right up there the vhs (laughs) is that uh, just a collection of their music videos uh, it's in live footage and studio footage of them uh, recording the Brown album. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. Does it have one known as Big Brown Beaver on it? That is from uh, Tales from the Punch Bowl. Also right. a great album. Mm-hmm. I always talk about how Primus is a great example of like a pawn shop favorite. Like, <laughs> it's it's such a good, if you like Primus, you can find all of their albums if you buy CDs, if you're into that kind of thing. Yep. In a pawn shop, the whole collection, you know? I feel like uh, pawn shops lead the league in. Uh... Presidents of the United States of America CDs. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, maybe Collective Soul. Cl- Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. With the song Shine, that one. The one with Jell on it, yeah, the blue oh. one, that Smashing Young Man. Okay, because you know? yeah. Jell was also in the Jerky Boys soundtrack, which is probably also in the pawn shop. Uh, I mean, ninth grade? Yeah. I loved Jell. That song was great. That is a good song. Yeah. You know what's funny? That's another thing. It's like another cool staple of like alternative culture in, in the 90s was like, a band being in your movie like Ace Ventura had Cannibal Corpse oh, yeah. and then on uh, on the Jerky Boys movie they just for some reason go to a helmet concert oh yeah 
<laughs> it's like so unnecessary. That's that's so strange. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, PCU's got uh, George Clinton. Oh, nice P-Fong. reference. David Spade. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think White Zombie was in. White Zombie was in uh, Airheads. Oh, that's right. That's Chris right. Chris Farley mm-hmm. is. Uh, he's looking for what's his name's girlfriend, and he goes to a White Zombie concert. Do you remember the movie Tapeheads? I never saw. Is John, that Devin Sawa? John Cusack and Tim Robbins. Okay. Um, Devo are in it okay. as our uh, fishbone. Really? Yes. Was it a f- cool? F- was it Lollapalooza '96? Yeah, maybe. Are you you must be a Fishbone fan, knowing the music you like. You like Faith No More and Primus. Fishbone's probably part of that, right? Yeah, and I love Jane's Addiction, and they were part of that whole thing too. I specifically love Norwood Fisher's beard, <laughs> which is just like a straight line out of the front of his face. That of all those bands, that was kind of the one that I least got into. Not not because I didn't like it. I just kind of never went down that road. You know. You, I, I I will say this. I'm not a fan of only their albums, but I have seen them. Yeah. And uh, if uh, if you get a chance to see them play live, yeah, um, do it. Yeah. Um, Angelo is the best theremin player on the planet. <laughs> and, yeah, that's the correct response. <laughs> Until you see it, and then your jaw drops, and you're like, oh my god. Really? Like that's a. He, it's he's and he's like the second best person probably isn't even close to him. Better than Anton Sander Levey, the <laughs> Church oh, of Satan, the God. only licensed theremin player of the sixties. <laughs> well, I, John Spencer has been playing the theremin for like twenty years, yeah. and he'll admit on stage that he's not doing it properly. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, if I get everyone else to be making enough, like something good, I can just sort of dick around with it and people yeah. think I'm cold rocking a theremin and I'm not. Yeah. You know, John, uh, um, uh, the uh, the one the McLean introduces the theremin. Like, uh, I saw Juan McLean go uh, once in Toronto and he said, I want to introduce my band. And then he paused and he said, this is the theremin. <laughs> it's the most difficult instrument on the planet to play. Don't buy one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently they're kind of easy to build. Yeah, you could probably build one out of like a margarine container or something. I don't know why. <laughs> that's how I build all my instruments. That's uh, how I, yeah, exactly. That's how I build my talk box. So. <laughs> that's how Frampton did it. Yeah. Um, how about when Black Flag reformed? Well, Greg Ginn formed Black Flag, Black Flag and came here and only played theremin and not guitar. Oh, my God. The extreme and insufferable wankery of that fucking band. <laughs> oh, my God. The... Uh, yeah, um, I well, let's not talk about Black Flag. Really, you hate Black Flag? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think that uh, I have spent too much time hearing people talk about right, Black right, Flag. okay. You know, yeah. I think I um, I love I'm, the uncool era of Black Flag, which is the Rollins era. I mean, I like Rollins enough as a guy. Yeah, um, I had one of his like comedy albums when I was was a teenager. Which one, Think Tank? Yeah, Think Tank. I and think he that's talks the, about hitting his head on his knee. The one where he talks about El Nino. Yeah, yeah. And how he thinks it should be renamed because it's called the it means of the child, and he thinks he should call it the first four Black Sabbath albums. <laughs> yeah. It's like Bakersfield, California, was destroyed today by the first four Black Sabbath albums. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it was. You ever heard Paranoid? <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, I love that he kind of like is somewhere between stand-up comedy and just storytelling and yeah. and that's his career and no one does that really like did you see his movie last year or the year before that came out about him being like an immortal dude yep yeah is it any good yeah it's pretty cool yeah i'm just such a supporter and like yeah um and he's been cool to me too like the first radio play i ever got was on his radio show no way and it's just because i emailed him and asked him and he's like sure god i mean <laughs> Yeah, there's just so many reasons why terrestrial radio is so wretched, and uh, like part of it is just because like you don't get to decide what you what you play, yeah. you know, and 
And uh, I, I mean, like, I'm old enough that I can still complain about that. Younger people are like, "What do you? What is? What is even radio?" Um, yeah, yeah. But like, um, you know, uh, there's no, there's like, it's so, it's so disgusting. Like the lobby, you need to hire to get yourself radio play, mm-hmm. rather than just have someone be a champion of your music. I know. You know, we don't have curatorial things in, anymore in in music, and that's uh, quite uh, quite upsetting. Yeah, and it it's it's interesting too, like. Because there's kind of no mold now for that because it could, if you're going to be successful in music, it could happen a bunch of different ways, but none of them are really for sure at all. No. So it's like, oh, just make a viral video. Well, that's impossible. Uh, And then just get on blogs. Well, that kind of doesn't matter either. It doesn't matter anymore now. Yeah. I was, um, I worked for uh, an American PR company for a few years, um, a few years ago. And uh, you don't work there anymore? The company doesn't even exist anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, because PR doesn't do anything for you anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a period where if you got best new music on Pitchfork, you're immediately like touring big events. Yeah. And uh, we would get bands and best new music on Pitchfork, and they get like 30 SoundCloud listens out of it. Really? Yeah, maybe. Like it just like people don't like they don't look to that that group of people anymore to uh, to lead them on stuff. And yeah. it, you know what? I don't blame them because honestly. Um, would you rather trust all your friends being like, Kevin, you got to see this video. It's got a bunch of butts in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or would you rather some ivory tower asshole who is, um, like, my stuff, like, my press releases were copy and pasted on a lot of very, very large websites. Wow. And uh, my problem wasn't that they copy and pasted it and used that my words as theirs. Mm-hmm. My problem, and it wasn't even that they were late, too lazy to write anything, is that they didn't criticize it. They didn't say it yeah. was good or bad. My press releases were just like, here's what it is. I'm describing yeah. to you what we're releasing. It's no opinion. And so no one ever had an opinion, so it didn't start any conversation. You know, yeah. if you say something bad about a man, if someone writes something like, oh man, Kevy kind of is a is a self-important walking bag of hubris who's too into Primus. No, and you you're can be not like, wrong. You can be, yeah, you can be like, you're not wrong. Or some of your fans would be like, fuck that, and then everyone's talking about your band yeah, and yeah. great swell, right? Yeah, yeah. And that just never happened anymore. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the blog thing, I don't know. I'd say like, yeah, viral video, I don't know. It's funny in this, how in this country, the government, that, like the government sect that runs like grants has finally, finally figured out that what a viral video is. <laughs> because you used to have to like apply for a viral video. They're like, we want you to make a viral video and we're going to pay you for like one's a bunch of music video one's a viral video like well that just meant you you just wanted yeah. on on the internet they're like viral video that sounds unhealthy <laughs> we're not into that at all yeah but i think that would be my suggestion is just mm-hmm. like man make a make a low cost high concept video yeah and and maybe just like people share and we used to say um that if you were famous people would give you 30 seconds of your song or your video before they decided to turn yeah. it off yeah and if you're not they give you like five or six seconds yeah and so you got to hook someone pretty quickly yeah and uh with with the sound or with the with the imagery or something mm-hmm. like that um and you can look at the stats like on when you put up a video of like where people tune out and stuff and it was always that's that was the case yeah you know? i believe it it's kind of like stand-up if someone famous goes to do stand-up comedy they'll get about a five minute grace period before everyone's like okay motherfucker bring the funny now sure you know i saw chris tucker in the summertime and he had to follow joe rogan and everyone was so excited including me Mm -hmm. huge money talks fan sitting over here (laughs) and uh and at five minutes he's like man it got real quiet when i got up here and then he just told michael jackson stories for the next 10 minutes was it any good I mean, it was cool. It was interesting. I mean, but all he, he always does that. Sure. He always just reminisces about Michael Jackson, and then you start to kind of feel bad. It's like, it's like, man, it's like you really see someone fall from grace because he was the shit back in the day. Right. You know, and then he just he just kind of went away for a while. It's hard. It's really hard to do what those guys do. 
I have a hard time going to live comedy. And I know that's so funny yeah. that you do. Someone happened like this weekend is the Just for Last festival mm-hmm. in our city here, and yeah. like um, I guess someone got angry at Bill Burr this weekend. Oh, I went and saw him. Um, Maybe it was Bill Burr. Maybe it was I think it was Bill Burr. Like someone like came up. He said something about the way lesbians dress, and uh, okay, and uh, and some woman came up and like rushed the stage. Oh shit! Not the show I went to. No, but he I did, did three. He did three. Yeah, yeah. Some of my friends were out there, and I was like, oh yeah, like sounds I don't like know. Vancouver. Like what do you like? What do you? Why are you going to see Bill Burr? <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Like, um, you know, here's the answer. And uh, pardon the cocktail party psychology of this, but like, <laughs> man, if you've created your whole personality around the idea that you're solving injustice in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, the less injustice that happens, yeah. the more you have to create it because otherwise you just won't have a personality anymore. Right. You know what I mean? If your whole thing is like you're out there solving the world's problems one problem at a time, protesting, mm-hmm. you know, calling people out on their language, all these sort of things that are happening. And then you, um, and then, you know, like we live in the most peaceful time in human history, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, we live in one uh, like the, le- the less least prejudiced time in human history. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still obviously problems to solve and of that course. kind of thing. But like the less it happens, the more you have to fight it, you know, like the more you're like, oh, well, there a couple days now. I haven't been able to call anybody super racist. Yeah. And uh, make myself feel personally less racist by doing so. Yeah. So maybe I'm just going to go <clears throat> protest this Renoir painting because it's only of white people, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh so I mean, there's a chance that someone like brought her along to this Bill to you know yeah, Bill Burr yeah. show or something. She didn't know what she was getting into. Yeah. But um, I mean, it just uh, it seems a little uh, peculiar. I and mean, I'm glad I'm glad I wasn't there for it, or else I would have my eyes would have rolled out of my head yeah. onto the ground, up the stairs, yeah, yeah, uh, into a bar, into the and, Anthony Jeselnik show across the street, into the Anthony Jeselnik show, put back a few tequila shots, <laughs> and then I'd have to uh, find them. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, too, because I was thinking about this yesterday. It's like with social media and you can be faceless, you can be real bold. And it's like, I feel like it's like pile on culture right now. Yeah. It's it's like people people are like, I always knew that that guy was this way and they'll jump on them real quick. And it's I think they're just looking for retweets like I think that's a lot true. Of the time. I, Not always. But yeah, I think that that can be obviously true. I think that I think a lot of the instinct to call someone super sexist super racist super prejudiced mm-hmm. is to feel that person feel better about their own prejudice their own sexism their own racism yeah you know um mm-hmm. if you're the first person to if you, if you do that you instinct if you know if you get but you know behind the eight ball yeah and you start calling other people that like okay everyone's looking that way yeah and i'm gonna satisfy my own personal um you know complications uh yeah, yeah. with it i think that's very often the main instinct yeah um because i don't think it does anyone any good to do that um i also think going at comedians is the not the right direction if you're going to be some kind of activist yeah i um you know like we need um i believe we need comedy the same way we need like dentistry yeah i agree um i think that if you think about the universal truths and like the universal questions universal hardships and you think about them never through the lens of anything comedic Mm -hmm. um it's you're going to yourself and societally become um, um, really um, maudlin, you know, yeah. uh, really deflated. Yeah. And uh, like you, you need to be able to look at like um, sort of the, the harder things in life, like fucking death or work or whatever else um, through through that lens. You know, like when people say life is a joke, they're, they, I don't think they mean that like the act of living doesn't mean anything. It means right. that like 
you should go through it laughing, you know? I agree. And you should go out laughing, and you should have your epitaph be a joke, so when you're dead, all the kids smoking pot in the graveyard are still laughing. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? I think that's the point. What you're saying is life is a comedy, and you're a writer on Letterkenny. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, How's that for a transition? That's a that's my least favorite Tom Cochran song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Are you so now that you're not working at that that company where you were sort of doing blogs and and it was it, it was kind of like um, it was like PR for for it, indie bands. It right? was PR for some. Yeah, I mean like uh, the lower bands we try to get on Pitchfork and the yeah. bigger bands we'd get on Kimmel and Conan and stuff like so that. Cool. And so uh, yeah, sort of. But man, dealing with artists is so infuriating and fragile. Um, <laughs> like the thing about musicians that I found really hard to be around after a certain point is that like they want to commodify the one thing that they've pearl clutched the most which is their music yeah but they don't think they should have to do any administrative work <laughs> and um and they don't think anything should be on twitter or anything they're like oh, i'm an artist i shouldn't have to do that iggy yeah. pop says i don't have to so i'm not gonna and yeah like, okay well iggy pop like probably had jim Durogatis write something about him once that he would love to have been on twitter yeah. in the 80s and be like hey that was wrong and all my fans hate you now yeah yeah um and uh, they, but so they want you to, they want to make money off mm -hmm. the thing that they think is the most important thing that they've ever created in the world. Yep. And uh, that means, but they won't do the administrative stuff. So you're like, okay, can you just give it to me for a second? Cause I need to put it through the, I need to ISRC code it and mm -hmm. I need to get it pressed. And cause you don't want to do that. And they'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why mm -hmm. are you touching my pearls? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's not, you got to be pretty careful. Like, be careful with it. Like, no, that's cool. I've carried pearls a few times. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I was did it earlier today. And like, but this is mine, though. <laughs> like, you understand, I'm a genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The evidence is right there. I mean, yeah. I'm going to make a music video of me just sitting on a chair, and yeah. it's going to go viral, because yeah. have you met me? Have you heard me? Right. Like, yeah. You're welcome that I'm here. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And uh, so that was kind of hard, uh, just like getting calls at all hours of the day of someone in L.A. just being on the couch, being like, I'm just really worried about... My Twitter followers, you know, I'd be like, that's okay. Well, I can, I can calm you down, you, 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 thirty-eight-year-old man-child. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got um, tired of it. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, uh, it's hard to not take it personally at a certain point too, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and uh, about, and it, you know what, working in music made me hate music. Really? Uh, yeah, I remember uh, my ex-wife. Um, uh, when I were listening to, to music, uh, we were still together. I would never sit around listening to music with my ex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sounds like good couples therapy, post couples therapy. Yeah, just sit around listening to Primus. Yeah, uh, I think um, so. And uh, I was explaining. You're like, a, this is fine. We finally agree. We both hate this band. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the hate of Primus brought us together. Yes, Les Claypool's going to help us renew our vows. Exactly. Um, and uh, we were listening to this like, Australian 80s new wave band and. Uh, and I was like, oh, see how like at the chorus they change into six eight time, yeah. Which is why that like they were sort of new wavy, but like like rural people like them because that's an old Australian pub sound. Like that's what you do in like pub sing alongs. Is okay. like those old songs, hundred years ago were like four four, and then they would swing yeah. uh, at the chorus. And she was like, oh Trevor, do you just do you ever even listen to music anymore? <laughs> like do you ever just sit and like it? Do you ever sit and I'm like no. And I'm like every time. But that's I, why you like it. But yeah, but that's I, why I like it. That that was a bad maybe like uh, she was like I still do that, but yeah. what I kind of realized was that like every time a song I heard a new song, I was like, can I write about this in my magazine? Mm -hmm. Can I DJ this at my DJ nights? Right. Um and can I can I can I do PR for it? Yeah. Can I just commodify it? It just became 
um, currency yeah. to me. Right. And uh, now I'm, I just DJ and I, I, I write a little bit once in a while, um, mm-hmm. but I don't even make m- music anymore. Yeah. And because there was a period there where I was a label stooge. Mm-hmm. I've done every job in the music industry except for agent. Wow. Um, and uh, it made me, and now like I only, now I only DJ instead of being like a DJ, a promoter, mm-hmm. a, a booker, uh, a, a musician, uh, a songwriter, you know, a PR guy, a label stooge. Yeah. Um, now I, I can actually like make mixtapes for my friends again and stuff. Yeah, that's great. And I can just sit around like this song doesn't have any value to me in my career, yeah. but I can sit around and enjoy it. And it's yeah. got me listening to you know jazz and stuff again and that that's kind great. of thing. So yeah, it's very nice. And you and I listened to Too Short in your car that time. Was it Too Short? Or was it Two Live Crew? Oh, it was Two Live Crew. Yeah, Sorry. I think it was. Yeah. Well, is that the? Uh, yeah, I bought this Two Live Crew tape. Not, and I just saw Two Live Crew, and I was like. Got this two live crew cassette, <laughs> and then I put a picture of it on the internet, and all my like hip hop DJ friends were just like, "Man, you got clean as they want to be," and I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, you got the clean record," <laughs> and I was so mad that I went out and I searched the entire city for band in the USA, nice, and bought that immediately. Wow. Yeah. So now clean as they want to be lives in a box in my closet, um, angry at it. Well, fair enough. Marilyn Manson started his band because he wanted to be the white two live crew. That was what he said. <laughs> well, there was this group of white guys who performed, like the concert that Two Live Crew got arrested for doing in Florida for being. When that the dancer there is like blew a, uh, someone from the crowd on stage. Oh, that might have been happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, they they got arrested. It was famously like a freedom of speechy kind of thing, and these white guys just covered the entire the like uh, really? a few years later they as like an art artistic sort of thing. They, they these like nerdy white guys like covered the entire show word for word. Wow. And they got arrested as well. Well. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yep. <laughs> I really liked that um, that article you wrote on for Vice about it was I, I think it was for Vice right mm. the one where you have a problem like discerning people's facials yeah discerning D- people's faces not facials what that uh, you're great at <laughs> <laughs> well I consider myself a young Bob Gucci owner, so. <laughs> Yeah, that was such a great article. I'd never seen you write something like that. I um, uh, don't like putting myself in the story. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, Larry King always said, uh, a good interviewer never says the word I. I don't write too many, like, um, essays or anything about my, about myself mm-hmm. um, uh, when I've interviewed anybody or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, because it is, it's, a, it's a really peculiar neurological condition that's mm-hmm. just now being studied okay I mean, man most things of the human mind are just now finally being studied in the yeah. last 20 years yeah um it was interesting to put it through the lens of, of that and i got a lot of people around the world uh, yeah. emailing me and uh, messaging me i would imagine it. it must be one of your most popular things you've ever done probably i mean um uh yeah i think it's uh no i no, I have a music video that's pornographic that, oh right uh, yeah okay that, i've seen uh, that one yeah that's good yeah um that uh is uh, very body positive right. and also uh has a woman sitting on cupcakes and right. apparently that's a really tristan risk your fake sister uh yeah <laughs> man people like oh god i can clock burlesque people in this city so quickly yeah, yeah. and like i'll be at the, the bank and the teller will be like are you Tristan Risk, brother? And I'd be like, sure, that's you fine. You could, I mean... Her name is Tristan Risk. I'm Trevor Risk. Um, we're you both, guys kind of look alike. We're both fair-skinned, blue-eyed, dark-haired. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I have a, like, I mean, here's a question for you and your listeners, maybe. Am I vain because I think she's devastatingly attractive? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like being attracted to your own clone. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I bet you. It's that not a mistake. There's a bunch of mirrors in this room. I bet you that guy's a generous lover. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, here's a question. Uh, if you have sex with your clone, uh-huh. are you masturbating or is it incest? Oh, God. If I butt-fucked my clone. Exactly. Uh, that's... Uh, uh, age old question. Age old question. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think I would. I'm uh, definitely uh, I'm more too of a ca- hand job kind of guy. I'm, huh? okay. I'm just too Catholic to be anything but self deprecating. You know, <laughs> you guys so. would roast each other. Yeah, I'd be like, well, you could lose. You could stand to lose a little weight. Like, <laughs> when's the last day you didn't get drunk? <laughs> like, and then the two of you would just watch a few Woody Allen movies together. Watch a little Woody Allen, maybe a little news radio. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Just a couple of Phil Hartman clips, maybe some Buster Keaton, you nice. know, some Facts of Life. Okay. A little okay. Uh, Night Court. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yep. Deep cut. <laughs> Roz. Uh, Roz is good. I like Roz. She's a she's a pretty good character. Except when they turn it, make her soft, that's not great. You know, the end of that show is just that Bull goes back to his home planet of Jupiter. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, that's the final episode. Is like that's the final scene. Is Bull goes back to Ju- planet Jupiter. I kind of love that they just threw the whole thing out the window. Then like fuck it. Yep. Kind of like the last episode of Roseanne, mm-hmm. where she had it was a dream and Dan was dead yeah. and she had won. She didn't win the lottery or something. Yeah, I know. I love when they just. Threw throw it all in the garbage at the end there's a i can't remember the name of the series but the series of the last one they look at the camera and they go like the show's canceled like they break really? the floor of the wall really hard uh yeah, it's pretty famous the, the, the last episode of alfie gets like uh like caught by the fbi and dissected really yeah <laughs> i love it it could be pretty dark in the late 80s huh uh yeah well it was a dark time the guy who wrote alf killed himself because he was right heroin so it's just because the last episode performed so badly. Um, and then he and what about Howard the Duck? That seems like it's in that realm somehow. I hate that movie so it's much. It's so gross. It's so unappealing. There's duck boobs in the first five minutes. I mean, normally that's something you're into. I would think but. that's true. Yeah, I do like a, fa- fa- a pair of foul boobs. <laughs> <laughs> how did you? Can you can you talk about Letterkenny and how that happened? Is it did did that kind of happen like right as you were leaving that last job? Um, it happened right as my wife was leaving me. <laughs> right, right. So that's a job. Yeah, yeah, that, it was a job. It is a job to, it's, it's dehumanizing. Um, yeah. Getting a divorce. You get emotional EI from that. Yeah, I think that's true, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, um, my, uh, my psychologist will tell me that, um, uh, comedy, because I was complaining about having to work with comics, because... I guess I don't like anyone I work with. I'm like complaining about musicians and comics and my boss and that kind of thing. Your clone. My clone. Yeah, fuck that guy. Well, don't fuck that guy. Um, and uh, it was, and she was like, yeah. I was like, comics are all suicidal and just like uh, awful to be around. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, well, comedy. And I was like, they commodified joy and laughter, so I don't have any left in them. She's like, well, it's more kind of like the fact that like comedy is a defense against sort of misery of the planet you right. know and uh and interpersonal problems and 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 dreadful stuff that's all kind of going on around you and um and she's like so there's not really a coincidence that you started writing comedy this year <laughs> you know the most depressing year of your entire life yeah and uh so i had um uh i had known those uh jared kiso uh for quite a while they'd used um my music that's just the way they use your music in a lot of episodes yeah. and stuff and yeah um, thank you for that and uh well no thank you for that that was really yeah, cool that's fucking teamwork man it is right um and uh you know we were just been friends and and uh kiso just one day said man i just like the words that come out of your fucking mouth yeah, uh, yeah. welcome to the writer's room <laughs> that's so cool yeah um and uh so they had me on kind of like a like incremental like i'll oh, do a little little punch-up stuff mm-hmm. and then it was like, okay, well, uh, maybe do a little, throw us a little, a couple pitches, you know? And then yeah. like, oh, well, maybe make an outline. Like, why don't you take a crack at a script, you yeah. know? And, uh, and they're like, well, we'll write on it too. And then they were like, you you did a great job. Like, so yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's uh, sort of a, a later in life 
thing that I've discovered that I would really like to keep keep doing in any yeah. way I, I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like I have a bit of a knack for it. Um, yeah. It's a like, oh God, it's it's such a treat to work with those people. I know that sounds like a trope, like just be like, these people are great. But I got a warning from like everyone there being like, just so you know, these are this is the best set you'll ever work on. Yeah. Um, like everyone here knows everyone's name and everyone's like life story. Yeah. Um, these are the only time you'll ever see more than one actor in a room who's not a complete total asshole. <laughs> and it's true. Like those guys are all great. Like um, the, a few of them live here. Like uh, uh, Herzy and I uh, went to a hockey game recently. I'm going in a couple weeks uh, yeah. with Tyler from the show um, cool. and the guys we actually like to hang out with. And man, after years of DJing and having actors in the club, I had a real sour taste for actors. <laughs> yeah. The producer Kara Hafelton is amazing. Jared is maybe you know just one of the the the, the pole holding up the circus tent of my life yeah. um, and uh, has been for a long time. And uh, it's a little bit loose. Like They're like, if you can burn four pages on a pun, do it. <laughs> and so I love old comedy. Like yeah. last night I was watching, before, like at like 4.30 in the morning, I was like before bed, I was watching like Buster Keaton and stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and so getting to do some, and I'm from a small town in Ontario, 6,000 people, you know? Right. And so um, if there's like, to make some old Abbott and Costello-y kind of jokes. Yeah. Um, through the lens of uh, small town Ontario, and um, you can uh, swear as much as you want. <laughs> you know, it's great. So it's like the it's it feels like uh, uh, like a true a true joy to be able to lean into something like that that are all very much in my wheelhouse. That's great, man. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's so cool that it picked up steam as quickly as it did for you. And- I think it. Uh, I think the show picked up steam too um, because um, it, it's kind of giving Ontario an identity. Yeah, which. Um, Ontario has, you know, more people in Toronto than all of BC and Alberta combined. And, uh, but most people in Ontario don't think of themselves as Ontarian, you know, they think of themselves as Canadian. Yeah. Um, and, uh, whereas someone in the Maritimes would think of themselves as Maritimer and, you know, PBC, I'm, I'm I'm a West coaster, that kind of thing. And, uh, Ontario just is like, oh, we're just, we're just Canadian, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, that scene in, in Billy Madison where he gets a dodgeball thrown at him and then he goes, now you're all in big, big trouble. (laughs) Of course I do. Um, I think that like, that's what it feels like to give Ontario, it's like, hey, yeah, we'll just talk about like grade 13. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, just embrace it. Yeah, and like Labatt Black Ice and stuff. And yeah. like, oh, you're all in big trouble yeah, now. Yeah. Because if we're going to give an identity to Ontario, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. You know, they have the most people and they have the most to push through and the most, you know, like high, wide, and handsome walking they can do. So, right. Um, that's that's really fun and uh it's fun just like writing around a pastiche of like the people i grew up with um yeah and uh the people who after 17 years of living here on the west coast have have become characters to me have become yeah um nothing more than anecdotes and and uh and you, you know, use those in the show like real things that happen absolutely that's awesome yeah yeah absolutely um and uh, even little easter eggs to my hometown really yeah that's little- so cool you're in a position to do that yeah you care about that kind of stuff yeah absolutely a lot of uh people that fancy themselves to be quite famous i imagine come into places you're djing and make requests and and feel like and i imagine you've been bothered by the best that's uh, what I'm saying. I uh, I have, yeah. I don't know what the laws are on podcasts about telling these Say stories. Say anything or... you want. But I also was wondering, <laughs> what is the protocol of requesting something from a DJ? Is it just never okay? Um, No. Yeah, don't. Okay. Um, I'm sorry it's... for requesting Farside from you in the past. Oh, no. If, like, we're friends. Like, last night, like, one of the one of the other DJs I was playing with, he was about to play a song. Um, He was playing EMF's Unbelievable. <laughs> okay. It was a 90s party. And, and I came to him and I was like, you should play Freedom 90 by George Michael. Yeah. Uh, into the... This. and uh and he was like man 
you're very right. And he hugged me. <laughs> and so like you can do like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And just be like, hey, it would be cool if you did like that's fine. Yep. Um, but like the kind of people who request songs from DJs are also the people who heckle comedians. Yeah. If you have a friend who does one. Such they, a good point. They do the other one. Yeah. And those people are bad people. Mm -hmm. It's like people who are nice to you but shitty to waitresses. Oh, can't stand it. Those are it's bad shocking. people. It's shocking and those are bad people. Uh -huh. And so uh, maybe you could still be friends with them but like don't go out to dinner with them. Yeah. Don't go to comedy clubs or nightclubs with people who do that. Um, and uh, there's not really a great protocol for it. Yeah. Um, and because nine out of ten people are rude about it, yeah, they um, they ruin it for everyone else. There, yeah, someone might come up to me and I'll be like, "No, don't talk to me." And they're like, "I just wanted to say I thought you were a good DJ." Oh. You know, you're like, "Oh, now I'm the prick." You know, yeah. I had a I had a, a girl uh, a, a, two months ago. I was playing bombs over Baghdad. Nice. And okay. uh, she came up to me and really, really callously and contemptuously started yelling at me. Just she was like. Can you play fucking Outcast? And I said, "Excuse me." And she's like, "Outcast, fucking play Outcast." And she was like that. And I was like, "Okay." I turned the music all the way off, and I said, "Can you say that one more time?" Yeah. Play fucking Outcast, because and I was playing Bombs Over Baghdad, yeah. and the whole club started laughing at it. Good, great, yeah, love it. Put that up on Twitter, and then a bunch of people got there. Um, you know, online online people got mad at me. For, Why? Um, well, because people want to be angry. You yeah. Know? If people who want our old boss, you're maybe still boss, like. <laughs> People who want to be angry will find something to be angry about, you know. <laughs> true. But like, I would, and if someone said to me like, "Well, that sounds dehumanizing." I hope, uh, I hope you're never in that position. And I was like, "No, I would never speak to somebody that way ever." No, so I, I will never be in that position. Absolutely not. What do we got here? Oh, bat dance. Oh. Uh, what I love is that this song, this Prince song, he wrote this uh, in one night because he became a Jehovah's Witness mm. in the middle of writing the soundtrack for the first Batman movie. Yeah. So he wrote a song called uh, Dance with the Devil, yeah. and it sounds like Teardrop by Mass Attack. It's a great song. Yeah. And then he's like, this is too evil for my new lifestyle, and he wrote this in one night, and it sounds like it. I've got the single of this song. <laughs> I love um, this song. And the B-side is just like him singing over top of the sample from this song. Really? Yeah, it's a weird B-side. I think it was like a, an alternated cut or something like oh, that. Weird. Yeah, it's good. I This era of Prince is my shit. Like, yeah. the, the new New Power Generation. Yeah, I love it. I think I love that, the song like, New Power Generation my, from my, the Graffiti Bridge. Oh, my taste, I think, in women started at me being like uh, seven or eight years old and seeing Diamond and Pearl <laughs> beside him. Yeah. Like just these swan, yay, elegant, like just like raven haired, like well dressed, shoulder padded, yeah. you know, women who didn't take bullshit. <laughs> like just strong you women. You described my mom. Yeah, strong woman and strong 80s shoulder pad. Yeah, she's got That's, him. I'm, I'm into that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you know the great thing about this song is some, every once in a while you'll see it on karaoke. Mm -hmm. Listen to it, no lyrics. No. How do you do this on karaoke? <laughs> you stand there for seven minutes and then you go, shut the funk up, keep busting. Or uh, you say that. You, uh, uh, Tequila by the Chance is one of my favorite karaoke songs. <laughs> okay. Because you just scream tequila twice. <laughs> And the rest of the time, you just do the Pee Wee Herman dance. Well, that's good, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie culturalized that song in a really great way. Thank you, Tim Burton. Um, so the movie High Fidelity, uh, d d I find that to be one of the more romantic movies, even though it's just basically a guy cussing out all his ex-girlfriends. Yeah. But do you find that sort of glamorous and romantic, the way that he met his girlfriend? She comes up and compliments him while he's DJing. Also, his DJing is really unrealistic in that movie, isn't he? He's like listening to like Crystal Method or something the whole movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he cites all this sort of like deep cut folk, and then he's listening to like yeah, Crystal Method. 
I think because they Americanized it from the book. Okay. Like in the book, he like talks about like bands like Suede and the yeah. tours and stuff like that. Okay. And so he has to sort of make something like. And so like they Americanized it, and American um, like music supervisors are all way too old to be doing what they're doing. They're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I think we can listen to Otis Redding and make that about like a, center a DJ night around it. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> like that said, I did do that for ten years. <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, like it, sometimes it's hard. I mean, I like that book and I like that film, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, he like Rob's kind of an asshole, um, yeah. and it's important to know that. Yeah. But um, I think that yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of women I've dated mm-hmm. and been married to and stuff have been women I've met at, at, at the nightclub. Yeah, you know, have come up and uh, then I've been and, and like that's uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I will shamefully admit that like if if you're uh, uh, if if, if if you request a song from me and we're attracted to one another, I will play whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you tank yeah. my club night. And if someone comes up to and I'm like, hey, I'm like, oh, yeah, you can have whatever you like. Yeah, yeah whatever you want. So, I'll play the entire Bodyguard soundtrack for you. What, what's a bit triggering, though, is like, yeah, like, you know how the, the storyline of that is that, like, she stops clubbing, she stops having pink hair, she gets a job, and then mm-hmm. she thinks, like, uh, and like uh, when's he going to grow up? You know, like, I've been DJing for 15 years, like yeah. a decade and a half. And I don't know how long you have to do a job before people start asking you when you're going to get a real job. <laughs> like, if your kid is, like, 17 and wants to drop out of college to become a DJ, question him. Yeah. You know? That's fine. Yeah. Um, but um, if, like, it's like, oh, I make, a, like, a living providing a fun atmosphere for, like, you only know me because you used to come to, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and also, go dancing, man. Like, yeah. like, like people are like, oh, I'm too old to do clubbing. Like, no, go dance. Like, yeah. and my club nights have everyone from age 26 to 76. Yeah. And I love that. There's like, yep, just come and, and, and go go dancing, you know? Right. So, her you not do being DJ like, at a nursing home, is that correct? Sometimes, sometimes. Yes, I just DJ um, uh, spoken word Bob Newhart albums. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but yeah, that's this, this sort of like oh, and now I'm like I'm like well, you know I I, I wore that as a costume for a while. I dated a guy who was who was sort of a, a DJ, a late night guy, and mm. and, and uh, you know like probably drank a little too much once in a while. Meg's wife told me I was if I was a character in Indiana Jones, I wouldn't be Indiana. I would be uh, Marion, right? Uh, because uh, I'm I'd not, be short round. You'd be short round, and she said it's because you drink too much and you're not completely useless. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll take Karen Allen. Karen Allen's a boss. I love her. Of course. Yeah. She's great in uh, Scrooged. Right. Um, Man, that's my favorite Christmas movie. Scrooged? Yeah. Yeah. Scrooge is pretty good. Yeah. I love Bobcat Goldflate in it. Oh, yeah. With a shotgun. Yeah. He's hilarious. Yeah. It's pretty good. I yeah. like that he's just into directing now. Yeah. He did um, World's Greatest Dad. Loved right? it. Yeah. yeah. He also directed Chappelle's show. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He directed. He, he and Neil Brennan were like the main directors and also Rusty Cundiaf, who directed Tales from the Hood. The the stories about Prince on the Chappelle show are good, but the stories that like Neil Brennan tells later about like, yeah. what that show did I know uh, are great. Yeah, I'm just like him, like like um, like going to Prince's hotel room. Yeah, and he has like a weird like his girlfriend is Canadian and he has a weird Canadian white family that like they're like the four in the morning. And they're just like, hey, nice to meet you. We're sort of related to Prince now. <laughs> <laughs> I love Neil Brennan. His special three mics is like my favorite special of last year. I'm not sure if you saw it. No, it's basically like there's three different microphones on the on the stage. One is for stand up. One is for um, one is sorry. 
One is for uh, one-liners and one is for serious stories. So the lights go out between each one. It's really groundbreaking for a stand-up special. That's cool. Um, yeah, I, in, I'm just reading the In Living Color book, and there's a story in it that I know you'd like, which is basically that Eddie Murphy, at the height of his fame, went to visit Keenan's family, and yep. they were living in the worst area. And so he showed up in cow skin pants, and he's he's like the shit. He's like the coolest comedian in the world, and he walks in, and the whole family shreds him for his pants for like an hour, and he couldn't even say anything. He's getting like lit up by like ten year olds and stuff. <laughs> like a young Kim Wayans. A, a young Marlon was like taking it to him. He's like nine. Kim Wayans is funny. Yeah. Yeah, she's a physically funny, which you can't teach. It's true. Yeah, she has like a physical comedy tour that I think is really, like if you watch an episode of In the House or something. Oh like, yeah. She, and you know I have. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yep. The like yeah the 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 not sequel to The Fresh Prince, even though they have all the same characters on. It. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Even Carlton. Yeah, Carlton. Uh, Uncle Phil, Phil went to Sparks. Yeah. Remember that show? Phil and Viv are on the show. Really? At one point when Carlton like Carlton, his name is Max or whatever on the show, he gets yeah. married and Jeffrey is the guy. Uh, oh my God! Who's, really? Who's presiding over it? Yeah. And there's a lot of like. Sort of like uh, fourth wall, just like, um, yeah. hey, can you get us a drink? He's like, I'm the preacher. I'm not your butler. That's <laughs> funny. Um, nice. I think I watched In Living Color when I was very impressionable. Um, and, you know, anything between the ages of zero and ten stay with you kind of forever. Yeah. And one of the things that stay with me forever is that um, I hate all white rappers. Um, I was just saying I'm so racist towards white rappers. I don't like them. And it was, I was like, you know, maybe nine years old. And, um, you know, Vanilla Ice had come out, and mm-hmm. my brother had that cassette, and we listened to it. And we're like, "This is pretty cool," because at the time, my brother and I were really into like Rob Bass and Run DMC and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. all the rap tracks compilations. And yeah. um, you know, he uh, he gets on. Uh, Jim Carrey gets up and does "I'm White White Baby," <laughs> and I remember being like, "Yeah, man, fuck white rappers," <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, I, you can't name a white rapper that I think's like anything I want to listen to. Now, yeah. I think that I can discern the difference between something that I don't like and something that sucks. Yeah, exactly. Like um, Nickelback. I don't listen to Nickelback, but they don't suck. Exactly. If you're into that type of thing, yep. they're the best they're in the world best. at it. Yeah. They sold like 49 million records. Yeah. You know, they're great at it. Yeah. Uh, also, those guys are hilarious. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so there's maybe some white rappers out there where I'm just like, yeah, like, I, you don't suck. Yeah. You know, but like, God, I don't like you. Like, I don't like any any of you. I I hate Eminem. Really? Oh yeah. Interesting. I think I think he's just awful. Um, and I think, but he, I think he's got some talent. Like, yeah. I think that he probably, um, like has some talent. But like, I once I've never seen Eight Mile except for once in a bar with the sound off and yeah. no titles. Yeah. And all I could figure, if you take all the, the the all the sound out of Eight Mile and just watch it while you drink in a bar. Um, what I, all I could deduce was the plot was um, Eminem crowns himself king of the black people in Detroit. <laughs> hey man, first he was the popper of the black people. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, and uh, and I was like, yeah, this isn't helping my dislike of Eminem. That's funny. At what all. about Kim Basinger? She's in it. Uh, you love her? Do I? I don't know. No, I don't know either. I, like she's like if I, like there's a lot of stars from that era that I far prefer, like Kelly LeBrock or something. Okay, or, you know or. Um, Diamond Kathy Pearl, Ireland, Annie Potts, the big Annie Potts guy. I think that like man, like her and Ghostbusters, just like yep. I have. I was doing. I was hosting a drag show. Wait, was last, she Janine? She was Janine. Wow. I was hosting a drag show the other night, and they were sort of laughing at me, like, "What are you? Uh, what are you into?" Because I was the only kind of straight guy there, and like, "What are you? What are you into?" And I was like, "I'm into like waspy chicks uh, with uh, with a sense of humor and red glasses." Yeah. 
and uh, and they're like, so you're just into Annie Annie Potts, like, yeah. and Ghostbusters? Like, yeah, no, that's where it came from. I'm pretty sure. It sounds like you just described the female version of Jonah Hill and Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, yeah. You like more of an athletic frame than that, though. Maybe, yeah. I, you know, I like a. <laughs> this is my this is my this is my tape for my my dating service here. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. I like a like a. A, a thinner lady Jonah <laughs> if you're that person please call me the number's on the screen <laughs> your answering machine's gonna blow up because I know you have an old school answering machine with two cassettes in it yeah I got a I got a like a lip shaped phone you know or the, yeah, yeah. Or the Garfield phone <laughs> yeah I got I got the clear one DJ Tanner head yeah I always wanted that yeah that was yeah. cool. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of iconic phones. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Morris's phone. Oh, that so was good. important. Yeah, yeah. That that tumor enhancing one that I'm <laughs> sure he's dead from now. He's yeah. alive still. Mark Paul Gossler. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should take him in the death pool. Ooh, Mark good one. Here's a question. Okay. I was watching Saved by the Bell the other day, mm-hmm. and um, it was an episode of the Malibu Sands. Right. Many, many... When uh, Kelly. No, Kelly was. No, it was uh, Casey. Was that her name? It was a girl from King of Queens. Yeah. She was like the love Leo interest Ramini. now. Yeah. yeah. And um, also, uh, at the end of it, uh, the girl who uh, that AC hooks up with mm-hmm. is a very young Denise Richards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was watching it, and, and uh, you know, Tiffany Amber Thiessen is wearing this, like, uh, this high-cut bathing suit, as mm-hmm. they put her in a lot of the time, um, mm-hmm. because people were still in the legs back then. Right. And I was watching it by myself on a Sunday afternoon, and I was like, God, uh, Kelly's so hot. And then yeah. I was like... Man, she's probably like seventeen or sixteen or something here, and I felt really bad. And then I thought, but she's older than me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, are you allowed to retroactively find the girls that were older than you back when you were a kid hot? St- like, is that allowed? I think you're or is allowed that to. I think you're allowed to, in the same sense that you're allowed to enjoy pornography of people that are surely dead now. Oh yeah, sort of like public domain pornography. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. that's okay. I don't think that thirteen-year-old uh, Trevor is a pedophile of a sixteen-year-old Tiffany Amby Amby Thiessen. Oh, that's what I would call her. Tiffany Namby Thiessen. Thiessen. Tiffany Namblet. Tiffany Namblet Thiessen. That was what I wrote to get a graduate's diploma. craziest thing i've ever like, said in my life you can't like you like you can't like watch you know like the wonder years and like you know madeline stands up and goes dude, de burr. madeline I, was so hot madeline dude. was my favorite way hotter than winnie absolutely oh, Love madeline. madeline she had this look to her oh, de burr, man. <laughs> yeah i do want some butter dude the way she looked at kevin and that's my name yeah oh I get out think of here. about that yeah I also, absolutely i love that you hate if people call you uh trev <laughs> yeah <laughs> It came about like I never really liked it, but what sealed it was I was DJing once, and Chantal Kriviatsuk's brother uh, <laughs> was in the bar. His name is Trevor Kriviatsuk, okay. and he was insisting he was just douche walking around the bar, insisting everyone call him Trev Krev. And I was like, "This is this is it. This is this is the final straw. Like now, it's like on yeah. my business card. Don't call, call me anything. Call me. I have people call me Tea Bag. I'm like, ah, that's fine, whatever. Right. Um, You're risky me, tea to me and Louise risk, Burns. Risky tea, Trisket. All like all of them are fine. Have fun with the name, but like not Trev. Hate Trev. All right. Yeah. But so. you are okay with Tristan Risk's brother. That's fine too. Yeah. I mean, like she's a treasure. So she is. like, Love I, that you girl. know, she's uh, she's she's such a, a, a treasure and a, and a smart gal who does mm-hmm. everything that she wants to do. And yeah, uh, I, I'm proud to have her as I, I think she made. We were siblings on Facebook for a while and, <laughs> and leaned into it like 
like it would be like Father's Day. I'd put a picture of my dad and be like to my other siblings, Brittany and Derek. I'd be like, Brittany, Derek, Tristan, give dad a little uh, love here. You know, and because like people just thinking it. And I think she like kiboshed that. Oh, really? Yeah, I think she I think she maybe left Facebook or blocked me or something. She might not feel as happy about me as I feel about her. But we've only ever met once in person and it was a very quick. Really? Yeah, we've never. It was a knowing nod. It was. I was DJing a uh, like a goth night, okay. uh, like a fetish night, mm-hmm. and uh, she was there, and everyone's like, "Here you go." I can't remember. Is she tall? Pretty tall. She's pretty tall. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was sort of a little like a yeah through and through. But you know, we we favor things on Twitter of each other once in a while. And that's our whole. That's good. Yeah. That, that's a that's a relationship yeah. these days. If she's listening, um, uh, you know, maybe she wants to go on a date or something. <laughs> if she's a single gal. Uh, Tristan, are you into dating your brother? Yeah, I mean, it be at least just for the photo op. I, mean, I think it would so. up our, our our separate but equal online brands. You I know? feel like I could arrange this. You think so? I think I could. I don't think you should. Yeah, I think you should uh, just okay. do a little recon for me. Okay. Ask one of our friends or something. Anytime, I'll be like, "Hey, do you want to go to a club and request something from a DJ and not be shot down?" Yeah, I got the right night for you. I've got the guy for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And also, he'll shoot down everyone else. Yeah, you'll feel very important. Yes. <laughs> okay, I don't know what this is. Let's try watching it. Okay. It's called Garth Brooks explains Chris Gaines. <laughs> I love that he tried to embrace alternative culture. Do you remember the SNL where uh, he was the host and Chris Gaines was the musical guest? Love it. Love it. Love yep. it. Um, I like to, like, country music culture is always, like, eight years behind the rest of culture. Yeah. Because um, it has to make sure it's safe first. Right? Yeah. And so back then it was like, how are we going to make you, like, how are we going to rostify you by 10% of, like, man, soul patch. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh. I think well, that he released something recently and like, no one paid attention to it. He was like the biggest star in the world for a while. Yeah, well, you know what's weird though is he has a podcast now and mm. on it he announced, he's like, I think I'm ready. think y'all are ready. I'm joining Facebook. And th- that was this year. Yeah, that's it. You watch a country music video mm-hmm. and it looks like it's from eight years ago. Like yeah. the camera, the way the angles do. Um, Brad Paisley has that song and it's a video directed by um, Jason Alexander. Oh, really? And Jason Alexander's in it, and so is William Shatner. <laughs> and so is uh, Estelle, like George's mom on Seinfeld. Oh, really? And it's just a song about him, and oh, Maureen McCormick's in it too, and a very young Taylor Swift is in it wow. as well. Um, and it's just called Online, and it's about how he, like, it's just him, Brad Paisley, bullying nerds about being <laughs> online. And he's performing in front of a giant, like, wall of, like, the Matrix, like, green lines. Yeah. And like, and it's like, oh, this is a song, and like, the country music world went nuts for it. Really, of this song of him bullying online people about how much better looking he is than them. They're like, finally, someone's saying it. Finally, someone's saying it, and then making Matrix references, <laughs> like, like Speaking ten years nerds. after the last Matrix came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, like, even like he like named like he shouts out MySpace in it and stuff. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, when he's at live, he says Facebook now. Well, at least he's. Staying with the times, and it's a terribly directed video. Jason Alexander, like it's so hokey, but I was like, this is this is country music, this is country yeah. music culture, and I like country music. I spend a lot of time in Tennessee, and yeah, uh, like I I like it uh, a lot. But like, there's some things that are just like, oh boy, you know, yeah, I uh, I don't know if I can watch this Darius Rucker video. Ooh, nice deep cut, nice Hootie <laughs> reference. I was actually gonna show you a Hootie and the Blowfish song from a movie earlier, and I mm. forgot what it was. Um, how about the fact that Wale put out the rapper put out a mixtape? Uh, where it's the whole album is a collaboration with Jerry Seinfeld. Have you heard of that? Yeah. But no one else has. Shouldn't that be huge? It should be huge. That's so weird. I know. 
He does sketches between every song. It's like such a great thing. I know. And no one cared. I know. And the logo he made for is very cool. Yeah. Like Wale and the design. Wale's hilarious. He he shouts out like weird um uh like like you and I do. Yeah. Like our, you know a running gag a few years ago that was like uh you'd be like, You're the Dion Sanders of the local DJ scene. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'd be like, Oh, you're the Cedric Sabalos of uh, my <laughs> nice. producer friends. Nice, um, nice. he does that. Like there's a song where like he has a song called Barry Sanders. Okay. Um he shouts out Anthony Munoz in one of his songs. <laughs> Anthony Munoz was the left tackle for the Bengals. <laughs> Like Hall of Fame tackle, maybe yeah. the best of all time. Yeah. But like, we what? Like we like, and so that's yeah. I. I think Wale might be my favorite rapper I, just because see, of that. I kind of like Lil B for that reason because Lil B will be like, uh, "I do not like James Harden. I am putting a curse on the Houston Rockets this season." And then James Harden will have a good play. Be like, I take my curse off James Harden. That was a really <laughs> nice crossover, Lil B. And he always signs every tweet with Lil B. Lil B. Ron Sexsmith signs his tweets too. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. I, I, him, and I are our Twitter pals, and that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, will uh, he'll be like? Uh, I, I said it once. I was like, "Hey, man, I love how you sign your all of your tweets." Um, and then I was like, "Dash tr," <laughs> and they'd be like, "Hey, thanks, tr rs." <laughs> so cool. That's cool. Yes. I'm, I like when you have a weird. Twitter pal, mine is Margaret Cho. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I've got I've got my favorite ones. I think um, uh, uh, Ron Sexsmith, uh, Jan Arden, ooh, and um, and uh, Brad Marchand. Wow. Yes, yeah, so those are my favorite Twitter Twitter people that we're friends with that we can we've DM'd once in a while. You know. Wow. When I was yeah. producing the Catherine's album at the warehouse, um, we were trying to record vocals through this like really old ribbon microphone. Yeah. And this kick drum was coming through the wall and I went to the front and I was like, hey guys, like, that's really loud. Is there anything we can do? And they were like, uh, Jan Arden's up there working with Bob Rock. So no. And I was like, okay. Oh man. <laughs> My, I had, um, I had a bad 2017 personally, mm -hmm. but 2016 for me was very good mm -hmm. and everyone hated 2016, but we died, all these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had made a list, um, with maybe I got a little too big for my britches in this. Maybe that's why I had a bad 2017. I made a list of all the awesome stuff that I did and happened to me that I saw in, 27, in 2016. Yeah. And one of them was, um, I don't know if you use Periscope ever. Mm. I um, have, but I don't. Yeah. Um, but like some people, if they're like, oh, I'm live on Periscope, I will tune in. Mm -hmm. See, they're live, whatever stream. And um, Jan Arden was like at her, um, uh, in Calgary, her sound check. And um, she's walking around just being like, hey, this is my guitar player. Like, his name is really good. And it's just kind of like anodyne, like mom rock kind of, you know, <laughs> check it out. And she interrupts herself to, she's at the craft uh, table. And uh, she's like, and this is my bass. Who ate only half a muffin? And then like just clicked off. <laughs> really? Like, and then it ended. She was mad that someone ate half of a muffin. <laughs> And then put the other half back, I guess just the top or something, and was so furious about it. And Whoa. then it ended like abruptly. And either that's hilarious comedy on her part, yeah. or unintentionally hilarious comedy. Yeah, but either that's, way. Oh, oh, it's hysterical. It was so good. The most shocking part about that story is that someone ate the, just the bottom of a muffin. <laughs> okay, Trevor, thank you, man. Thanks a million. Okay, bye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much to Trevor Risk. Watch the new season of Letterkenny. Um, this past season, we got a got one of our songs in the show, which is really cool of him. And check him out. He's funny on Twitter. He's actually, like, really funny on there. He's one of the few people that actually uses it to tell good jokes. So check him out. No relation to Tristan Risk from American Mary, though they do look alike. 
Okay. Thanks very much. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.